I think one other key thing that we've really resonated around lately is like as adults, you know, kind of after you leave school, whether it's high school, college, et cetera, it's really hard to find new best friends. And the idea of JPEGs and it's sort of oddly connection where when people come around these communities and they meet each other in real life or even digitally on Discord or online or on Twitter, it's incredible how deep and strong the bonds can create. And we've seen many, many new best friends be made by grown folks that are, you know, connecting with people all over the world and really centered around this notion that we came together under owning an NFT. Hello, I'm Somi Aryan. I'm a tech philosopher and the founder of Impeak. My guest on today's podcast is Kevin Henriksen, mostly known as Kevin D. Gods. He's the CEO of Dust Labs, the Web3 company behind D. Gods and Youth's NFT projects. I've been intrigued by D. Gods for quite some time now, and I think they're doing a great job of keeping the Web3 space engaged and excited, even in this bear market. But there's so much more to Dust Labs other than their NFT projects. They're building super exciting Web3 tech as well. This is definitely a Web3 project that you're going to want to keep your eyes on. So let's dive right in. All right, Kevin. So tell me in a nutshell, what is DGODS? You know, you think about you're explaining it to somebody that you met at dinner who knows nothing about it from outside of Web3. They don't know what Web3 is. And they tell you, you know, what do you do? And you're like, I'm working with this community called DGODS. So what is DGODS? Yeah, DGods is an NFT community, but it's really a community of, of enthusiasts that love to experiment, right? And I think about my partner, Frank, always says, you know, I think one of the best things that we sort of have is this opportunity to just try things. And if it doesn't work out, we try other things. And um, it's become sort of an ethos of what we're building, but really we're building to be the best um, and the number one NFT community on every chain. So we're number one on Polygon, number one on Bitcoin. We're currently like number five, roughly in the world on Ethereum. We were number one on Solana before we migrated in December. Um, but it's really just a collective of, you know, NFT JPEG enthusiasts that have really come together under this sort of social fabric to really just connect with each other. Um, and we've found this sort of, you know, uh, bond, if you want to call it, uh, centered around winning, right? What does it take to win? How does it, how does it run an experiment? Does it work? If it doesn't work, you know, embrace the FUD, lean into the pain uh, and, and, and try something else and uh, we'll figure it out. And so, you know, uh, fuck around and find out, fuck it, we ball, like all these feed the pigs. Like we've got a bunch of these cool sayings that are kind of lore now in the community that really spend back into that thing of like, it's people that just love to experiment, that love to think. Um, that are excited to sort of like figure out what, you know, we can do with Web3, what we can do with crypto and really find the best of that. I think one other kind of key thing that we've really resonated around lately is like as adults, you know, kind of after you leave school, whether it's high school, college, et cetera, it's really hard to find new best friends. And the idea of JPEGs and it's sort of oddly connection where when people come around these communities and they meet each other in real life or even digitally on Discord or online or on Twitter, it's incredible how deep and strong the bonds can create. And we've seen many, many new best friends be made by grown folks that are, you know, connecting with people all over the world 
and really centered around this notion that we came together under, you know, sort of owning an NFT and, and the trials and tribulations of watching that process of building it out um, and just being part of a really early and, uh, you know, nascent market. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. So um, what does the D in D God stand for? Is it for degens? Yeah, degenerate degens. I, I think, so. you know, some people say decentralized, which is probably the okay. more typical word. But yeah, degen or decent, uh, degenerate is probably like uh, where it was. And I think the ethos when D gods was sort of first came out was like, if you looked a lot of the initial folks that were sort of in this creator, um, it had this sort of uh, somewhat male dominated sort of like gods of like, hey, what would be the like, you know, perfect brand to pitch to people that were in, you know, early NFTs and and Frank and the, and his friends were like, well, D God, like a God, like what if you were like the degenerate God, you were the like the top or the God. And so taking that vibe and using, you know, Greek mythology of like, what does it look like to be a God in this world that is clearly still early and needs to be discovered, but also there's some sort of lore or mythical view that like seems to people seem to rally behind. Um, and, and that's where the name sort of initially came from. But now it's become just DE is sort of the brand that we sort of attach to everything. And it's, it's a little disconnected from its original meaning. As a woman, obviously, it was one of the things I was like, when I saw it, I was like, why are there no women in here? <laughs> you know. So, so is there going to be girl gods at some point? Yeah. So we actually have a really pretty uh, loyal group called D Goddesses. So in, there's a sub DAO inside of uh, D Gods called D Goddesses, and they rock. You're right, the male looking PFP, which is not ideal. And as a father of two daughters, and obviously having a wife, like that, you know, is something that also we, you know, I, I want to go fix. And so, yeah, season three will include females, and so. We're going to be releasing um, upgrades. So we release upgrades to the art. We had D gods. We upgraded the art to dead gods. One of the first collections to sort of like not do a baby collection, but actually just improve the sort of art and put that value and additional art back into the holders. We're doing a third season, which will become both upgraded art again, but there will be an option both with male and female. And so you'll be able to switch between which one. Because I think one of the classic mistakes we've seen on projects is that they'll take a percentage of it or, you know, the project will be all female or they'll take a percentage of the project and make it male or 50-50 or, or something. And it's impossible to get that correct, right? Because there's going to be reasons why somebody wants one or the other. Oh, the females should be the rare ones or they should be a mix of rares. How many, you know, how many floors? And so what we decided was like, everyone, every from the most rare to the most common should have a female and a male version. And then the holder can switch that back and forth. So if, for example, I have a male one and I switch it that I, I give it to my wife, she can switch it to female and then rock a female PFP. Um, and then similar when I sell it as a female, somebody else can buy it and switch it to the male. So we think that will help, you know, provide a new way that we haven't seen yet in terms of like allowing the PFP to actually have both art. And then we'll also allow you to switch to the dead god or the original D god. So you can kind of like toggle between all the versions of it. That's really cool. I, that's very innovative. I don't think I've seen that anywhere. It's a new thing. Again, it's an experiment. May may not work, but we're going to try. So let's say if I go and buy a D-God now, I can just go into your website, connect my wallet, and say switch my D-God into a female God. So the t it's not there today. So we're on, yeah. we're on Dead Gods right now. So the new art will be coming out in Q2. Uh, season three will release in Q2. And then as part of that, we will roll out a male and then a female. So you'll be able to switch at that point. So if you have one today you will be able to eventually, you know, upgrade that to the new season. And then at that point, have the switch. Awesome. So you now have 10,000 D-Gods and you have 10,000 Utes? Uh, 15,000 Utes. 
15. And the D-Gods is actually a little smaller. There's 535 that died as part of an earlier experiment. And we brought those back um, as part of uh, Bitcoin BitGod. So those were actually encoded as ordinals. We actually did a single block of 535 dead gods on um, BTC on ordinals. And so that is where those 535 are. And those were taken out of the original uh, D-Gods collection. What does it mean that they died? What was the story there? So one of the experiments we had was we had this experiment in the early days where the idea was that, um, and the word's not the most politically correct, it was called paper hand bitch tax, which basically is a saying in crypto that like, hey, you sold, you know, this below the floor, or you, you know, bought something and sold it for lower. And the idea was people that would buy an NFT for, let's say, you know, 10 Solana, if you sold it for less than 10 Solana, at the time, you would get charged a 33% royalty rather than the normal royalty. And so, you know, so at whatever price you bought it at. And so what was happening is when that money would come back into the treasury, the team would use that money to buy the floor to sort of collect up the people that had bought and that would you know sort of buy them and then we would burn them. And so we ended up doing that for 535 D-Gods were burned as part of that process and sort of taken out of the collection. And then, um, you know, this February, we just when ordinal started to get out, we said, wait, we, we always said like, hey, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to bring these back. Like what is dead is, you know, what is died is never dead. And the idea was to bring back these 535 D gods that had been burned as D gods and then make them dead in some other way. And we said, oh, Bitcoin's perfect. It's like permanent. It's like one time they, they will only die in that they will never be able to do an art upgrade there. Nothing will happen to them. And we thought that was a really cool way to sort of continue the story. Um, and, and then we were able to do this unique opportunity to put all of them in a single Bitcoin block. And so it's the only collection that's been minted in a single block. Um, no other uh, NFTs were in that collection. No other ordinals were in that. It was just our collection um, in a single uh, block. So it's kind of like they're mummified. Yeah. And then what was cool is when we actually minted them. So one was minting them on the blockchain. Then you have to actually sell them we did another innovative thing where we actually sold them in a single block. And so everybody had to put their bid to buy a D-God. It was the first 535 in that block, which was, again, a pretty, you know, just unique way to do it. Um, but we always just try to do something that's a little different. I think it helps, you know, with excitement, but it also just allows us to kind of push the envelope and try things that other people haven't tried. Yeah, you. I think you've done a really good job of doing that pushing the envelope and and innovating where do these innovative ideas come from like what's your what's your creative process yeah it, so honestly like frank and the team like and you know we just watch the space very closely so i think a lot of it's just you know throwing ideas out but i would say you know many things that we do are not like completely new like we look at things that have happened in web 2 um you know, so we look at like, oh, this is a cool interface on a mobile app that we saw a year ago, or we're seeing this really think, cool thing on TikTok now. Let's like it, that inspires something, or we'll see another NFT project launch something like Moonbirds, for example, had nesting, and so we're like, oh, that's a pretty cool idea. But we're like, would but the problem is if you start at the start and you come in a month or six months later, you can never catch up, right? Like it feels like you're penalized, right? And so like we're like, well, there's got to be a way to spend those points, and so we came up with this idea of like staking for points and so again so our you know so we're always inspired i would say by the culmination of what we're seeing in the space and i think the thing that frank does uniquely well is really i mean spends an incredible amount of time online and on twitter in particular really looking and analyzing what the kind of meta is now like oh people are feeling this or they're feeling 
tired of this particular meme or this particular vibe. And it's that notion of being able to sort of like, in a sense, almost kind of read the crowd or feel the energy and saying, oh, like people don't want this anymore. They really want that. And, you know, the Bitcoin thing was a great example, right? That like, nobody was really talking about it. Then it kind of became, you know, a, a conversation point where like, okay, that's the right time to bring ours out and really, you know, sort of change the conversation. And similar when we've released new art and things like that, it's always like, what is the community feeling now? And what are we thinking will be the something that will sort of break the internet is the way we describe it. And a lot of times we just work backwards from that. And so Frank's like, if I was going to write a tweet thread today, what would that say that would go very viral? And then we build for that. And so we'll, a lot of times we start with the type fully spent out, like, you know, the, the 10 or 15 tweets, and then we will actually build the product to try to make that tweet true. Um, and that's a mix of like announcement. That's a mix of the actual change that we have to make. And then a lot of times it's just um, presenting that in a way that it's really easy to understand because we were talking about before the show, like the space is very noisy. And I think the stuff that you guys are working on it in peak is like incredibly helpful with like, Hey, how do you like distill this noise? Cause like you wake up in the morning and like, I can check telegram, discord, Twitter feeds, my email. Cause I'm still old and like, you know, text messages and, and like, it, you, there's just no way to capture all the information. And so many of the, of the things today, especially Discord and Twitter are feeds, right? So you're not able to even see, like, if you're not on there every minute, you're just, even then you're not able to, you're always getting a snapshot of something. And the idea that um, you can't see it all is part of the, the benefit, but it's also like, it makes it really hard for what we do to try to get attention. Again, you have to really get something that'll rise above the sort of like, um, noise, I guess. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, um, you know, I have ADHD. I think this all comes from, because I have ADHD and autism, that there's so many important things that are happening that are missing because of the way that things are laid out. So one of the things about this blockchain technology is that it's so hard to keep up with. It's so difficult to understand. So I wanted to initially build this platform to educate people about the space. And then I realized that it's more than that. It's not just about education. Yeah. We need to simplify the yeah. interfaces, right? So that's why we are building that. I think um, to talking back to to Frank's um, you know talent I think he his talent reminds me of early days of Gary V in terms of you know reading the room feeling the pulse of the market and Gary still does that he does that beautifully he is a master of that and it's like such an amazing talent but it's one of those things that for example I don't have that talent but I have a talent of product design making things visually really accessible so it's all of us playing to our talent and to our kind of skills and making the space as a whole not just more more accessible also more exciting i think that's one of the things that's really interesting about this space is that idea of excitement i think that blockchain technology and, and digital assets it's opening a whole new level of ownership and fun and, and excitement. And uh, as you said, building friendships, uh, which is super interesting. So I was wondering, how are your thoughts evolving around AI with everything that's happening right now? Is that something that you're exploring? I think, I mean, personally, like as a kind of a nerd or technologist, I, I love it. Like, I think it's incredible. Like um, I I've used it for like planning road trips, planning dates, getting ideas for like incredible amounts of things. Like, it's just really, really fun to like talk to AI and ask it interesting questions. And so like the, in the most basic form, it's like an incredible technology. Um, you know, everybody at our team has it. We've gotten pro plans for everybody. Like we are like, 
again, we've used it to optimize gas in our smart contracts. We've used it to like do code reviews. Um, we've used it to parse legal docs. I mean, so like from a like day-to-day, -day, like building a company, like it is clearly replacing like some slice of like information work. I think that is clear, you know, how it mixes with web three and how that, you know, I think there's a, a bit of it being the new hotness. And so I think there's, you know, as we see typically in these technology waves, like especially in the last 10 years, as things come out, um, attention and like investment and new ideas, like every angel investment pitch that I get now has AI built into it. All the companies that I seed funded or angel funded a year ago, you know, as part of my personal stuff are coming back saying, oh, I'm adding AI or I'm doing this because it, it is fun and, and it's adding a lot of value. I had a couple hour conversation with a gentleman last night you know, working on AI, how can we use this? How can it help, you know, in different areas? And so from a like, is AI going away? Like, is it going to be impactful for all of us that are in the information kind of space? A hundred percent, like it is, you know, getting better. I mean, Google released their new stuff, you know, recently where it's like, now you can actually see like live web data connected with their sort of AI, um, you know, chat GPT competitor. Um, and so I think for how it's going to impact Web3, I think, is yet to be seen, I think, because, it, again, it's kind of like layers of new technology. Um, but but it's clear that, like, teams that, you know, take advantage of this are going to have a, a leg up in terms of teams that don't. I think the the applications that, to me, are going to make the most sense are going to be much more vertical in the short term. It's like, hey, I have this thing that I'm doing. AI makes it faster or better. Um, I think the, the promise of, like, auto GPT or, like, you know, the recursive AI where you ask it a, like a very high level task and it breaks it into 50 things and it does all those 50 things recursively. I think that's a little early. It's much like self-driving cars. Like when we talked about that, got my first Tesla 10, eight, 10 years ago, like it kind of had basic like autopilot kind of driving. Now, like it can drive to, you know, LA and back with like five disconnects, three, four disconnects, like pretty insane, right? Like five, six hours on the road. Um, really incredible right and including city streets and stuff like that again you know there's a there's a lot of ai in there um but it's not complete it's not like yet replacing you know us as humans or things like that and so short-term thesis it'll be super impactful um i think you know if you're a young person today or if you're in business today like or in anything like uh, my brother has a 10 year old and he was like you know write a presidential speech that's three minutes long as if I'm a 10 year old. And it was like incredible to watch that just spit out the answer. And it's like, here's the three bullets about, you know, Hoover that you should talk about. And so um, it's pretty fun for, you know, kids of all ages to play with it. Um, but I think it's too early to say like how exactly it's going to play out. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I know that you guys are always experimenting. So whatever happens, you'll be ahead of the game. Tell me a little bit about the long-term ambition of, if you ask me, what is my ambition? I'm going to build the next big platform, which is like maybe the next LinkedIn of Web3 slash Discord, right? That's what I want to do. So what, what, where are you going with it? Is it like the IP side of things? Is it like building like the biggest brand? What is it exactly that you're, you're kind of aiming for? Yeah, I have two answers. And so I think we have two companies, right? So D-Labs, which owns the NFTs. So that's the creator of D-Gods and Utes. Think of them as the art and creative side of the company, of, the, of our sort of like business portfolio. And then we have Dust Labs, which is a technology company. So I'll answer them independently. D-Labs, it's pretty simple. I think when Board Apes came out and everybody's like, oh, I'm getting this yacht club. This is awesome. They didn't get the yacht club. They're getting a game, right? And so there's a bit of like, we think a, a lane there to actually build this social digital yacht club of like 
people that want to connect and, and be together, both digitally IRL and in this sort of like virtual sort of sense. And also as a flex, right? It's like, hey, why do you buy expensive JPEGs? There's a part of it that's like, I own this one because this is me or it represents me in a digital world. And I spend a lot of time online and that's a great way to like represent myself and 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 flex a little bit for the same reason that, you know, when I was in high school, I grew up in a little farm town, people would flex over their coolest tractor or the car that they're driving, right? Like as, you know, kind of internet natives now, we can flex with JPEGs, you know, some percentage of us. So I think for DGODs and DLabs, it's really to build the absolute best communities in Web3. And that is, you know, best in the sense of like figuring out exactly how much IRL, how much digital, how much hybrid is really the best there. I think that is partly, you know, needs to be figured out to get product market fit. And then on the Dust Lab side, it's simple in the sense that we want to be the tools that power sort of Web3, you know, expanding its use, right? Clearly today we have a lot of our attention around NFTs and sort of where the market is seeing that early product market fit there. But if I look at this holistically and zoom out, I've been, you know, building companies for 23 years now. 20 years ago, nobody used the internet in their business. I got the internet, you know, in my dorm room in college at UCLA for the first time when I went to college, I had like dial up at home. And, you know, fast forward 10 years, every business was using the internet. Similar, you know, 10 years ago, very few businesses were using social media every day in their business. Now every business, small or large, is using social media every day. Our thesis with Dust Labs is 10 years from now, Every business, both the Main Street 500, the small businesses that you see down by your house in the neighborhood and the Fortune 500, kind of the biggest you know, businesses in the world, will be using Web3. And that could be for marketing, could be for communications, could be for social networking, could be for like getting a job or connecting, could be for finance, could be for accounting, could be for inventory, could be a whole host of things. But our thesis is that like 10 years from now, there'll be adoption of Web3 type technologies, not specific blockchains, not specific coins or crypto, but like pieces of that kind of technology. And Dust Labs is really that sort of gooey center of like, what is it? It's not the wallets. It's not the blockchain. It's really the application, right? So good at comparison is like Salesforce or HubSpot, right? If you're going to go do something in a CRM or sales world, you get Salesforce or you get HubSpot as your business. Because most businesses aren't going to put together a contact form and an email list all manually. They're going to get a SaaS tool to do that. And there's, of course, a bunch of competitors in that space. But we think of what Dust Labs is building is really that kind of center platform of tooling that allows big businesses and small businesses to integrate with Web3 and make it easy to use, right? You don't walk into the small business flower shop and they don't have like a cash register anymore. They have an app at Square or some point of service thing where you tap a credit card and it just buys it. The accounting's all in the cloud. Similar, you walk into big businesses, you know, they have a bunch of tools that are essentially web pages. They're using SaaS tools to manage their business. And we think that's where the, there's a sweet spot that uh, Dust Labs can be super competitive. So uh, if I understand it correctly, you're going to leverage the IP to keep building great products. Yeah. The IP and the and, and D gods and Utes brings a ton of attention to what we do, right? So like that in building the best community will mean that you have the best members and the best social club and a ton of attention around that. And so that attention that allows us to like get more exposure on the technology that we will clearly test ourselves. A lot of technology companies build some cool technology and then they spend the rest of their existence trying to figure out how to monetize or trying to figure out how to beg, borrow and steal and get projects to use their technology we have the opposite. We 
launch a community, we test the software with our own community, we prove that it works. And when we prove that it works, it's generally in a very viral way. So we have essentially unlimited demand. So when we launched scholarships for Ute List, which was our last collection, we had 70,000 people apply for 3,000 slots. And then at the end of that, we launched that, hey, this product's available for sale for Dust Labs. 2,500 customers lined up to buy that product, right? We take a small number of those. We're still, you know, again, much more focused on experimenting and understanding the tooling. We're not looking to scale it out to everybody, but the idea of like building great products that scale, testing them on the communities that are, you know, kind of D-Gods and Utes, and then allowing that to be, you know, white label or, or used for other projects and other companies. That's amazing. Um, Kevin, when I think about your brand, it makes me think of like the most testosterone driven brand out there, <laughs> you know, in terms of like NFTs and the fact that there's no female at the moment in it as well. Um, I wonder if there is an opportunity here for you to use the kind of power that you have created and the attention that you created to also lift women up in this space. Yeah, it's a great question. I think so on D-Gods, we have D-Goddesses, which is not, it, it is a sub club inside of the DAO, a sub DAO inside of D-Gods that, you know, empowers women and sort of supports them. I think that's one baby first step. The next step will be, you know, D-Gods season three will include women so everybody can represent um, the, the gender that they prefer. And then we also have a second collection called Utes. And, and Utes was actually explicitly designed to be incredibly more inclusive and not just inclusive in like the gender sense, but also just in like the brands that we could partner with. Like you said, D-Gods has this sort of Chad frat vibe, testosterone fueled, like we're winners, we're going to gods take over the world. And that doesn't work for every brand. Like it'd be hard to sell pacifiers or diapers with a D-God partnership, but you could do that on Utes, right? Utes is these kind of furry, friendly Sesame Street vibe characters that could sell, you know, kid products, female products, and it could also sell men's stuff because it's just a cool kind of Yeti, you know, Yeti looking guy that's kind of chill and, and very Sesame Street vibe. And so for us, when we did um, launch the scholarship program for youths, we accepted many more women as a percentage that applied than, you know, in terms of this acceptance than, than I think men, right? And so I think like we purposely wanted to curate that because if we would have just went back with what a lot of collections do on their second collection, and sort of like, oh, everybody in, you know, Bored Ape got a mutant, right? Well, if Bored Ape was already majority men and then went to, like, you didn't include, you didn't increase the diversity. And so with Utes, we explicitly, you know, created this scholarship process that we could create not only the diversity of gender, but also just the kind of folks that we brought in, right? The typical way that you would do some viral, you know, campaign like this is you would just accept all the soccer stars and, and celebrities that applied that had, you know, millions of followers on Twitter. And yes, a lot of those folks got in, but we also accepted a ton of people with less than 100 followers, less than 50 followers. We accepted more than 10 people with less than five followers on Twitter. They literally just created a Twitter account or had it. And then they link to like a Wikipedia page where they're like this incredible artist and have a huge Instagram following. They just didn't use Twitter, right? And so like for us, it was really trying to like break out of the mold of like, you know, crypto being very male dominant today. And again, you know, I've been in tech for 25 years now. Tech also has this sort of like bad rap or sort of like bad gender focus where like the majority of, you know, People working in tech, especially in like engineering and sort of science type roles are male, right? And so for me, it's really, you know, twofold, right? Hey, how do we first get them in the community? I think the other piece is we've now hired more women on the team at D-Gods. And so I think that, you know, initially the entire team was male. 
Um, now we have females on the team. And I think continuing down that path, like we can do our part by like, you know, including them in the, in the process, but also continuing to make the, the communities, you know, be more uh, gender neutral in terms of like not that being a selective case. And I think having the PFP, um, you know, have a female in it where there's actually a choice, um, we think will allow that diversity to kind of naturally flow where it's not like we're deciding that, hey, there's going to be 12% women or 50% women or whatever the number is, or 70% or 100% women, right? I don't think any of the, a fixed number is not the right way. Yeah, Just yeah. like you would never start a company and say, I've got 12 pink chairs and six blue chairs. And like, I'm only going to, you know, fill the company this way. Like, it just doesn't make, you know, you want to hire the best person for the role. Similar, we want the best people in the community. And, and we know that like, ensuring that we don't over pivot on what is just the the kind of the natural case that most of the louder testosterone chad kind of voices is not going to be help us grow especially as we get out talking to brands and doing more um you know sort of partnerships and deals with with brands that are clearly in many cases more female focused especially when we get into music and fashion and clothing and all these other brands that are really important where we think we want to grow many of those are are female dominant and not male dominant 100 percent, yeah about the culture the company culture so you have got um, uh, obviously frank is quite young right he's 23 23 yeah 23 yeah it's like a baby and uh you're obviously 46 okay also so like double the age so how does that gel so you guys are co-founders uh work together from start tell me a little bit about that dynamic i'm assuming that you're bringing a lot of wisdom he's bringing a lot of youth and energy so tell me a little bit about the, the company culture like what's it like being on a day-to-day -day basis you all work remote how does it work yeah so i met frank before dgod so i met him rohan three and a half years ago we both went to UCLA. Um, he dropped out as a freshman. Uh, I, you know, finished but 25 years ago. Uh, and so, you know, we have a different genesis there. But I, I met him as part of a startup thing. I was working with startups at UCLA. He was part of a cohort of startups um, coming through, just super high energy. That company helped them get into YC, raise some funding. Um, that company is still running. It's a delivery business for students. It runs on nine college campuses uh, here in the West Coast. Um, but when he left that business to sort of kind of fall down the crypto rabbit hole and stumble into this sort of NFT thing, again, I acted more as an advisor, you know, in that first year or so, like constantly just pinging. He would send me stuff. I'd fly down to LA where he was, you know, and sleep on their couch and kind of hang out and and vibe with them and and just give them feedback and, and also just kind of advice on things that I'd seen, right? The whole team is all in their 20s. Um, or the early team was all, I think the oldest was 26 or 27. Um, I'm older. And so I think that was, you know, the initial thing. So today now we were moved into Airbnbs for a while. So we were living in these Airbnbs and I would just sleep in the movie room or whatever room was available when I'd go down. Now we have a house in Santa Monica. Um, so we do still live in a house together. And so I my house is in San Francisco with my family. Um, but every other week I travel down to LA um, and we live in Frank's house, right? Which is a house that we, it's essentially the office. It's a work, you know, five bedroom house. So we sort of live and work out of there. Um, and a, a couple of the folks live in the house, including Frank full time. And then we use it as it's really close to LAX. And so when people travel in that are remote or, you know, partners, vendors, whatever, they can come by the house and the D God's house acts as like a really cool place. Um, but to your point, it follows that like early college sort of hacker house vibes, right? Where Frank, um, you know, wakes up at 11 a.m., you know, noon on many days and works until five, six, seven, eight a.m. the next day. I, you know, work more typical schedules. I wake up at five, six in the morning and I, you know, work till eight or nine at night. 
Um, and so we usually cross over in the morning, right? I'm getting up at five in the morning. He's been up and he's got two or two hours left. We sort of like do the handoff on spaces or whatever we're working on or sync on Slack or something. Um, but I would say a lot of the ideation we use, you know, modern tools, linear and Slack and, you know, Telegram, Discord, et cetera, to communicate. Um, but the there is this sort of dynamic where, um, you know, I think at times Frank's ideas become you know, really energetic and really powerful. And then I provide this sort of uh, shock absorber of like, hey, like what's possible there? Hey, let's check in with the lawyers. How do we work through this? And and those kind of things are, hey, let's make sure all the, you know, I'm constantly doing accounting and books and managing the sort of corporate overhead, if you want to call it for a side of the business. Super interesting. I, I feel like uh, I like the shock absorber uh, analogy because I'm assuming that obviously he's like coming up with these really amazing ideas and then you're like okay let's let's like think a little bit more clearly or about- just do them one at a time right like how do we sort of sequence them so that we can you know not be so chaotic let's talk a little bit about rivalry so obviously you guys have been extremely successful how's that translated in terms of other projects reaction or how do you find the space as a whole in terms of how like supportive or not communities are towards each other i think to me the truth is around building in public and so when i was you know eight companies ago building an open source right the, we were building in public in a sense that the source code the technology was public but the communication was still semi-private. It was in forums. It was in relatively closed doors. Like you could log in and see the comments, but they would not go viral. Where now when we do something, tens of thousands, I mean, our social accounts get tens of millions of views every month. And so we're pretty public with what we do. And, and the, the energy around that is equivalently so, right? And, and, the, and the way that I would say that is that um, we do get a lot of, you know, very strong opinions. And some of those are incredibly negative and some of those are incredibly positive. And I think our job is to really, and Frank's incredible at this in particular of like, try to remove the emotion from the content and understand like in their shoes, why are they so upset or why are they so happy? Are they a holder or are they, are they a fan or are they just looking for engagement? I think the, the modern platforms today, you know, reward extreme opinions. And so if I say that Kevin is, and Frank are the terrible people in the world and they're, you know, killing, you know, little bunny rabbits or something, even if that's not true, which a lot of the like negativity is not true, it will get lots of views because people think it's funny and people will react and tell them that they're wrong. And that reaction generates a lot of hype. And so for us, like, um, you know, calling ourselves Frank D. Gods and Kevin D. Gods, like we sort of, there's a distance. It's not me. It's like, this is my internet character that's out there that's getting this negative feedback or 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 glowing feedback that's probably not deserved. I'm, you know, Frank and I are not that, in, in, in per, you know, perfect where we're like on this pedestal. And so for us, it's, it is hard at times because you're like, man, we really tried and like, we're getting a lot of like negative vibes. But I think we internalize it in a couple of things. And so one is we say no easy days. Like we just accept that like, yep, power's out. This is what, you know, what it just, it happened. It's not an easy day. Like we didn't expect this to happen. It's just not going to go through and then feed the pigs, which comes from my childhood where no matter what happened on the farm morning and night, we had to feed the pigs. Like, you know, power was out, lost all the water. The, the bus was late from school. You know, we had a death in the family. The dog died. It didn't matter what happened. Oh, there was a huge fire that burnt through the back property. Like, yep, still got to feed the pigs. And like that notion of like, do your job, just get up and like do what you were going to do before that big catastrophe or distraction happened. Um, and so for us, that is like the way. 
Um, but I do think you're right. We, be, you know, as you get more popular, and I think you see this in pop culture and celebrities, like pretty easy to pick up any kind of like, you know, tabloid or magazine and like the, you know, the royalty or the, you know, celebrities of whatever are getting, you know, pooped on because they did something stupid or they didn't. And somebody took a picture and it just looked like they did. And they made that into a bigger story than it is. Um, I think we live a lot of that in this space. I also think that the financial sort of like ownership of an NFT and feeling that you have more rights than like, hey, if I bought a pair of Nikes and I'm pissed and I call support, eh, I don't go that crazy about it. But like you could spend the same amount on a JPEG um, and really give it to a founder like they're ruining your life because you did, you know, they did all these things wrong and they must take your opinion and they're not listening to you. And so I think it does put a lot of pressure on founders to react to that. Um, I think Frank and I respond differently. Um, I respond. I, I try not to respond, quite frankly, in most cases, I just kind of listen. Frank takes a different approach. He actually over responds. And so he will just sit on a Twitter space for 20 hours after space, after space, taking questions, feedback, and literally answering the same question best to the best of his ability as empathetically as possible at an ad nauseum for days on end until he finally gets through whatever hurdle people are thinking or feeling. Um, and I think that is a good mix of how we approach it. Um, but it definitely there, I mean, we, you know, talk a lot about this. It, it is tough to be in this space. And as we've gotten more popular as a project, there you've created more virtual enemies. And I don't think they're enemies. I honestly just think they they feel like that is, a you know, hey, they did this, they, we should crap on them or they're moving to a different chain. We should, you know, they're not on my chain anymore. I should be mean to them. You know, I think if you zoom out and, and you know, look at the real picture, Web3 is this sort of small crypto dot on the map and the, the world is a big, happier place. Um, let's go focus on growing this thing 10, 100,000x, 10,000x we're all going to be a lot happier. All of our pie pieces will get bigger. Let's not fight each other over the slice of the pie that we have today. And so I always try to take that high road and be like, let's focus on growing this. Because when there is this kind of crypto infighting or like Twitter battles, it honestly, from an outsider looking in, you're like, man, what are these people? Like, who are these kind of ants arguing in this like world of like money, many more interesting things, bigger dollars, bigger companies, bigger money. And so for me, it's, it's not worth getting into those battles. Um, but I think, you know, definitely personal attacks never feel good when you're loading up your morning and seeing, you know, we've always got the plus 20 on Twitter because it's always maxed out and you never can see all your notifications um, because the stuff that we do is just that public now. And scrolling through some of those, you're like, oh, man, like you'll see this really nasty comment. And like, I'm, I click. I'm like, what is it? Let's go figure out. And, and, you know, most of the time, like, OK, yeah, that's, you know. I either I know about it and we're working on it. Oh, the hoodie didn't fit or didn't, you know, ripped or, hey, we'll ship you a new one. Like a lot of times it's something we can go fix. It's just that people really want to like kind of rattle your cage and and get their, you know, two cents of uh, information for, you know, four dollars of engagement. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's true. Um, I, yeah, I hope what everybody will take away from this conversation is that really uh, the space is so small. This is so small. The Web three space is so, it's literally everybody is like two degrees away from each other, and we are not going to succeed if we don't work together on this. So, so thank you so much. This has been very very interesting, Kevin. As it's just your uh. Uh, full of knowledge and, and wisdom and, and just experience. And it, it's just been fascinating talking to you. Awesome. Same. I really appreciate it. And uh, cool to learn more about your products and you and hopefully get to see you in LA next week. Yeah, absolutely.
I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Kevin D. Gods of Dust Labs. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're watching it on YouTube, please consider subscribing, which will really help me and the channel. We are also giving away prizes to people who post a comment on the videos and leave us a rating on Apple or Spotify. Make sure to join our mailing list on MP to learn more about our contests and prizes.